Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Welcome back to Business Unfiltered. It's Mercer. I am here with the illustrious Jeff Sauer. And today's topic, we're talking about forecasting techniques for your business. So Jeff, as is our tradition, I'm going to throw this over to you. When you think about forecasting techniques, what does that sort of bring to mind? Yeah, I think of I think of numbers immediately, right? Like putting numbers into a spreadsheet and using that spreadsheet to say, how much money are we going to make? I actually think annual, like how much money are we going to make this year? Um, but then, then there's forecasting. How much are we going to make this month? How much are we going to make this week? How much are we going to make this campaign? How much are we going to make in five years? How much money should we allocate to the people who run this engine? How much money should we put into marketing? How much money do we want to take home ourselves, right? So all these things are essentially a forecast. And it's the idea of trying to predict the future with as much information as you have at your fingertips. How about you? Yeah, I love that. I, and I think you're right. Like a lot, initially you sort of go to that, to that money thing. For me, it is, it's that question of, did it go, did this go according to plan? Did this work as we expected it to work? Regardless if that's a, a budget sort of thing, or did somebody get the sales page up the way they were supposed to kind of thing? Or did somebody fulfill this product the way it was supposed to work in the, you know, in the project management system or the predictive reporting system, you know, that sort of stuff. Did it going according to plan? Because there's a forecast for everything in my head besides just the numbers. It's, it's the system that I'm forecasting. And this is what I love about this topic because I think you and I have these these complementary but yet different views of forecasting where we can you know help ourselves get a little more well-rounded about this um, which is really cool so how do you how do you implement forecasting I guess currently or or maybe how do you use forecasting in in your organization as we talk about maybe the strategies of it a little bit yeah so one of I think it's evolved over the years and this is something I think everybody can you know just so it's not intimidating to people I think the the first level of forecasting is again, maybe an annual plan or a quarterly plan or a monthly plan. And you put it out there and then you learn almost immediately that it's not going to happen how you thought it was, right? Things yeah. need to be adjusted. So I think the first level is you create a plan and then you never update it. It dies on a hard drive somewhere. It, um, you never speak of it again. You get embarrassed because you almost always, it's almost always that you don't hit your numbers versus you do hit your right. numbers when you do this stuff, especially when you're getting started. Um, and so it's like this thing that's there now, hopefully people can get out of that as quickly as possible. I know you, you have a personal mission and, and tools and resources to help people get out of there as quickly as possible, right? Like you, you have some great forecasting tools. Um, but the idea here is that it's, it has to be something that, that you can adjust to, you can take feedback and that you have the ability to adjust to. Um, nobody's going to really hold you super accountable for what you thought was going to happen on January one. Cause so much goes into it that yeah. you have to have flexibility in a system, which, which is one of the challenge. That's actually my first challenge in this thing. Mercer is like, okay, well, how do I preserve what I thought was going to happen at the first of the year? Because you, you do budgets for how you hire people based on yep. your predictions, all yep. those things. So, so you can, yes, you can adjust it, but how do you make those adjustments matriculate through your business? How do you actually make that happen? So I'm, you're, you're the expert here. I'd like to hand it over to you and like, okay, so first level makes sense. You do it once, you never look at it again. But second level is making it a living, breathing thing. How does that, how does somebody do that? 
Yeah. So for us, it's like the first, the first step to forecasting is, is to your point, you have that plan and, and you're right. It's going to go off the rails really quickly. So the, a proper forecast should always be open to feedback. You have to most companies, I think at the beginning, they might guess as to well, like, Oh, here's, we think it's going to work like this. And then it goes back to a previous episode. In fact, the one right before this, we talked about sunk costs. They are not open to feedback and now they've just done a sunk cost. They have a poor plan that they won't let go of. It's not matching their forecast that, you know, they're not getting the results they want, but they won't because they're not open to feedback. That's what their, their forecast can drag them down. Right. And actually cause some poor results. So when you open it to feedback, now you go, okay, well, here's our initial plan that didn't quite work. What, but we were trying to get across the bridge. And this is the the point of kind of answer your question. Keep, you know, you, you pick a point on the bridge, like we're trying to get across there. We think we're going to do it this way. We're going to build a hot air balloon. We're going to float that hot air balloon across the bridge. And that's what's going to get us to point B. And then halfway through building the hot air balloon, somebody goes, listen, could we just walk across instead? And everyone's like, oh yeah, okay, that's sunk cost, right? We're like, yeah, you know what, hot air balloon, we put a lot of effort into that, but it's not particularly useful. It's got a lot of more cons than it does pros and getting across the bridge. Walking's a lot easier. Let's adjust our plan and get across the bridge. The only way to do that is because you kept your focus on where you were trying to get to, the end result, right? And that's that's sort of like that second level for me, is you first have that plan. The second thing you do is a plan with a measurable result that's objective, not an emotional like, oh, I, I'm just going to know it when I get there. That's not right. But to say, oh, our revenue is going to be at $10,000. That's how we know we got there, right? Okay, that's fair. And so now you just keep that result in that 10 grand. And if your first plan to get 10 grand didn't work, that's okay. You keep your eye on that 10 grand. What's the second plan? What's the third plan? What's the fourth plan? How do we pivot? But we're focusing on that 10 grand, right? Within whatever the time frame is um, that you're doing. So that's kind of like how we, we stitch those two together. The first is you got to have a plan, something, make sure it's open to feedback. So it's going to adjust the better level of that. The next level up is then attaching a result to that plan. And then the third level uh, would be actually attaching the specific sub results, let's call them the mm -hmm. specific how steps, because even that you going back to the example of $10,000, that's what I want to happen, right? That's my end result of, of what's going to happen when I get my plan done. But I still don't know as my plan is being executed, if it's going according to plan until the very end. So I execute my plan. I go, do I get $10,000? And I said, no. Okay, well, then the plan didn't work. But did it work because I made step one wrong or step two wrong or step three wrong? Well, if I can't see that, how do I improve the plan? And that's where, and that's where I think a lot of people get stuck on this yeah. is they will then start to spin around and, and guess and, you know, well, we should change this. We should do that. We should. And it's just all ideas, which is fine. There's, there's some method to that, usefulness to that. But if you have specific forecasts within the forecast, so I'm going to get $10,000. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to have 100,000 people see my offer page. 10% of those go to the cart. Half of those are going to buy for 100 bucks or whatever the number is to equal 10,000 bucks. And now I can see, okay, did we get the traffic to the page? Yeah. Did that traffic work as expected as it went through that customer journey, assuming that we're doing some online marketing thing? You know, and, and that's sort of the ultimate forecast for us is attaching those those how steps. So I'm not just forecasting the end result, but I'm forecasting the specific steps that are necessary to get to the end result. And it's all measurable and it's all objective. So it's either you hit it or you didn't. There is no like, well, I feel like I made it. 
that's not a thing. You either hit it or you didn't. And if you didn't, you that's what's nice about the objective number part of this, the measurable part, because you can go like, hey, I just didn't. That's okay. What's another way? Like we knew you probably weren't, to your point. The plans are going to go south almost immediately. So you, you, you plan for that. The whole idea is throw the boat in the water, the boat's going to get blown off course. We know that. But this, we're still focused on that end result. So yeah. maybe that was a long-winded way of answering that question. That's what I would think about it. No, I love it. Um, you, you, you gave me think of so many things, Mercer, but, um, the first one is that I learned like what you're talking about and what you do is very similar to what I learned at my agency around accountability with sales forecasts. Now, when we started off, we didn't really have a lot of accountability. We didn't have a sales CRM system, even though the people who I was business partners with were salespeople for major companies, right? They were in sales, but eventually the business completely changed and became more accountable when we started doing weekly sales meetings. Mm -hmm. So every Monday we would show the people we had in the pipeline, we would give them what their, and weekly is very important here, by the way, um, we would give the, who's in the pipeline and then our grade for how the opportunity was A, B, C, or D. A D got a 25% grade. Okay. It's like there's 25% or 10%, 10% chance of this revenue coming in. A C was like 50% for us. A B was 70% and A was 90%. A is like they have a contract in hand. We're yeah. about, they're about to buy. Like we're, we're going to, we're going to put that into our forecast because we think it's there. We can hire off of an A. Like we can actually put headcount in there. It's like, Hey, this thing's going to hit. And this is much revenue. We have a contract in front of them. We're at 90% chance. Then we're going to hire somebody. We're going to put a job requisition out there because we're that confident in that revenue hitting. If it's yeah. 10%, heck no, you know, but that in, in the 10%, you need 10 10% opportunities to match an A opportunity. So yeah, if you have 10 things in the pipeline, if one of them hit, yeah, then you can, add, then you have enough money to go and hire that resource, right? So it's sort of like, you're only as strong as your pipeline, but that's what they call it, a pipeline. Now, the reason why weekly is so necessary in over everything is that you, you don't know if it's going to, like you, weekly lets you adjust and it lets you know how things are working. So I know you do weekly. I hadn't been doing weekly in this business for, for various reasons, more of a manpower or, or a person power thing. Right. Um, but, but weekly forecasting, you have to do it. If you don't have weekly forecasting, then it's really hard to be accountable. It's really hard to put people in a position to succeed. And it's in, and, and it's really hard to delegate and say, Hey, how this week it's not happening. Is it going to happen later or is it not going to happen at all? Like you can't wait right. until the end of the month and get your books on February 15th for the first month for the month of January and be like, Oh yeah, I guess we didn't do it. And like, that's I the don't point. That. You're right. Yeah. Most people find out they had a bad month after the month is over when they can do nothing about it. Yeah, now. Exactly. exactly. It's like this right. doom spiral where you're waiting around right. and then you're like, okay, well it's February 15th. I'm already one eighth of the way through the year. I'm just going to mail it in. I'm just going to write off my plans for this year. Like I'm embarrassed. I never want to talk about this again. We just stopped doing it. Right. Versus successful organizations. They are saying like, I don't care if you like 90%, it means that nine out of times it's going to be 10 times it's going to be there. If you think it's going to happen six out of 10 times, then put 60% like that. Let yep. us know so we can figure it out if it's there. Sometimes we'll be pleasantly surprised. Sometimes we won't, but it will average out. Like we're fine with it averaging out. Like that's the thing is like, it doesn't matter if you're wrong. It's averages, right? And people are, I think people are understanding of that, especially if you learn something and then you mentioned something and then I'll hand it back over to you. But the way that you do that in a sales pipeline is ABCD, right? That's, that's how I've done it. Yeah. You know what they call that in the world of sales? A funnel, <laughs> a sales funnel. <laughs> like people think that Russell Brunson invented the word funnel and it's gotten to be so crazy, right? But a funnel is essentially, it. he bought it, he took it from sales. He learned it from uh, from Chet Holmes, 
the ultimate sales machine. That's where like everything that Russell Brunson talks about came from ultimate sales machine. Um, everything's a funnel, right? Everything in sales is a funnel. And then they're like, it's so, like the middle game, but people like the reason why people are so hesitant to really, they say, well, it's different when it's online. The reality is I got into Google analytics because it gave me the middle. Right. It gave me the A, B, C, D grades. And that's why I got into like measuring funnels and learning these things. Cause I wanted to know what was happening in between. Right. Okay. I sent an ad and it either converted or didn't. It was a binary thing. I don't like binary. Nobody likes binary and nobody can really thrive off of binary decisions, right? Like, Hey, either you, you sold it or you didn't, but everybody can thrive off of something saying, okay, well, you know what, this thing happened and there's a percentage chance that the next thing's going to happen next one, next one. And then you funnel down to your percentage and you say, okay, yep. This is the likelihood this is going to be successful. And then eventually it becomes more of a numbers game, feeding it in there and then fixing individual leaks as opposed to um, as opposed to completely changing things or giving up, right? So that's the feedback that's really important. You're saying people need to be open to feedback. It's not just word of mouth feedback. It is system feedback as well. It is numbers right. feedback. That's also really important. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think in, in the case of just two points there, one, when you're talking about the weekly versus monthly versus quarterly versus annual. The, the Going back to your weekly forecast and why I think that is so important, just to double down on that technique, it's like driving a car. If you've got your hands on the steering wheel and you're going down a road, right? Let's pretend you can only turn the steering wheel 12 times. You're going to end up driving off the road somehow because you only have 12 opportunities to turn the steering wheel. But if over the course of this driving, you can turn it 52 times, you have more chances to turn the wheel. You have more chances to stay on the road and, and to get where you need to go. And that's how I think about it. Every time I'm forecasting, now I think daily is a little too much. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's absolutely possible to do it daily, by the way. You have to have a ton of traffic. It's not worth it for most people. Um, but for small businesses, weekly, I think is a minimum. It really is yeah. um, to be able to say that. Because at the end, of, to your point, I want to know if January is going to be a bad month. I technically want to know that in November. You know, As I'm coming up to January, 90 days out, go, hey, January is going to be bad. If we do everything we say we're going to do between now and January, therefore, we need to change what we're doing between now and January to make sure when we get to January, January is good and that forecast looks good. And I like seeing that as far ahead as I can. If January, let's say we walk into January, I think it's going to be amazing and it starts to go south very quickly. I want to know that as fast as possible. Going back to you know something we've talked about before, because I have time still, and time is the scarcest resource we have. So if we know the first week we project, let's say we're going to do one hundred thousand dollars in January, each week is going to do twenty five thousand dollars. That's what you're projecting, and you you know figured out your the level of forecasting that's comfortable for you to get those done. So you know what you're going to do to get that twenty five k, and that first week it comes in at two. You need to know that that first week. Now, that's not great. No one's going to be happy about that, but you got to look at what's ugly and go like, okay, that was ugly. Now we have three weeks to make sure that we can make it up to make sure that January gets hit. Or we start looking at February and saying, how are we going to make February now overperform a little bit? Because it's going to have to make up for January. We might not be able to get to that 100K in January. Or it's how do we make sure Q2 is going to be so strong that it makes up for our crappy start in Q1? And this is the benefit of this system is because of those ors. You have different options. So you have flexibility and you don't feel like, oh my gosh, we just failed. Now we're now it's over, right? It's not scarcity. It's all we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. What are the different options we can do? And then you look at the probabilities. And that was the second point I think I wanted to, to talk about. One was doing that weekly forecast because the more that you're looking at it, the more that you're measuring it, the, the more opportunities you have to turn the wheel. And then it's when you go to turn the wheel, which direction, left, right? Do I hit the gas? Do I hit the brake? Like you think about all these different things you can do when you have the opportunity to, to steer the car a little bit. 
And as to, okay, which one should I do? Well, that's where you go to probabilities. And I, and I do think that a big piece that misses a lot, especially in numbers style forecasting, it's mostly left brain, right? They sort of, and it, which makes sense. It's like most people doing this in spreadsheets or whatever, and they're forecasting what their numbers are going to be. But I think the right brain, your gut has to have a voice in this. And that's where probability comes in. You know, it's kind of like your ABCD, right? Like, oh, 60% chance, 80% chance. So I'll add, okay, well, I've got four different actions I think I can take to help make up the numbers that we're missing, let's say, right? Or, or these actions I want to be able to take to, to improve the numbers. Maybe we did even better, right, that we're, we're trying to do. And I think I can raise the forecast at that point. What are the probabilities? What does my gut say about option A? And what, how do I, what does my gut say about option B? What does my gut say about option D? And I'll sort of pencil that out a little bit. Well, I'm 80% sure A is going to work. I'm 60% sure B is going to work. You know, 10% sure E is going to work because that's, you know, plan E because it's a total wild card. Okay, well, maybe we don't do plan E, but it's good that we thought about it, right? Um, and I'll go with the one that's got the best probabilities of success, you know, and then, and then try it again and try it again. But because I'm always thinking in terms of probability, and this goes back to your point when you said, just because you're 90% sure doesn't mean that that 10% is not going to be there. Like that client that's been with you for a year that's paid on time forever, that you're like, hey, they're 90%. They're going to be all year. This, things happen. They can go out of business. They could have a horrible you know, thing in their company that is beyond anyone's control that causes them to not be a client next month, right? It can happen. It doesn't mean it won't. And that means you're open to feedback. That means your system's open to feedback. Because you're using probability, you never say 100%, right? There's no guarantees. Uh, and that's why I like probabilities a lot. Because it's like, hey, I could be wrong. I am I'm 80% sure I'm right. But I'm leaving that 20% to maybe I was wrong, you know? Yeah. And that's what keeps the system flexible. It's like oiling the gears, you know, to keep your forecast working well. Yeah, exactly. And, and you don't want to do maintenance only when you do like on your car, you don't want to do it only at the oil change that you pay attention to something, exactly right? right? You know, you, you, you have to look at it sooner or at least pay attention to things. And fortunately there's more data than ever now. Um, there's more warning signs that are coming in, but in, in, you know, it's, it, I like what you said about finding out that you're going to have a bad month as far ahead as you can, so you can make changes. Um, because otherwise what ends up happening is, like, and, and I definitely use forecasting in that perspective, like, hey, we're going to have a down month in July because nobody wants to buy online courses in July and people are on vacation and stuff like that. How do we, you know, can we do something? This is how Amazon came around to Prime Day. July is their worst time of year to sell stuff. So they said, oh, let's make it an event. So can you make an event? Can you do that stuff? Well, that's what your forecasting allows you to do is to say, hey, you know, we, we don't, we can do our normal stuff at this time, but we need to make an event in July or we need, you know, we need to switch the pat. We need to do a pattern interrupt find another revenue stream. And then you can start, if you know that that's going to happen in January, you can build towards that thing. So you're not like left scrambling. You can build and unveil your major thing. Um, that's important. I mean, that's, that's how a lot of companies work to diversify their revenue. If you're a summer business, you create something in the winter. If you're a winter business, which is retail, then you do something in the summer. Like that, that makes a lot of sense. And the only way you can do that is forecasting and having that kind of literacy around your team and your organization to do that. Now, this is the, th the part about literacy is what I wanted to get into next, because this is really challenging. Um, and that is, how do you find time to do this? How often, if you're doing weekly, so that means that it's probably four hours a week doing forecasting. Um, what role do you need in the organization to do that? Should it be the owner, the principal, a controller, a finance person? And then how much can software make you efficient in doing this? Because I know you don't necessarily use a dedicated software for this. It's more spreadsheet yeah. stuff. But how does that yeah. work? How do you build the system? Yeah, for for us, it's um, 
it, it's surprisingly little time to maintain the forecast. It, it is roughly about 30 minutes a week for me to maintain our forecast that we do every week. And I've got multiple categories of income. I, I literally you know, will forecast out like how many page views all the different offers are supposed to get. How many are we going to ask? How many of those will consider? How many of those will purchase for what average ticket to equal this revenue? How sure am I of that happening for this week? So there's probably 30 of those, right? That we're that we're going through and, and that I'm I have forecast for. But it only takes 30 minutes to update them. I know that's that's gonna sound like impossible as a claim, but it is it is very true. I've done this for decades. Um, so it's quick. Forecasting is deceptively quick. The thing that takes the time is in the beginning of getting that initial plan out of your head and saying, okay, well, here's where we currently start and here's what we think is going to happen. Um, and then it might take you, you know, 10 or 15 hours of time to really work on a forecast, maybe 20 to 40 hours on your first forecast. So, you know, maybe you take Q3 and you start working on what your forecasts are going to be for the next year at that point, right? So give yourself some time to, to ease into it. Um, but once you get the initial forecast done, it's really easy to maintain it. Um, so I, I found that to be to be super simple. And the the reason that we the way that we because um, we get all the numbers and kind of who is responsible for doing it, I will lead it as as sort of the the you know charge in my company. Like that's our job is to uh, especially as the owner is to is to lead lead the vision of it. Where are we going? Right. So everyone else is. I think it was like a one minute manager thing way back in the day. They were talking about like, hey, your managers are the ones who are you know talking about which trees that you know cut through the forest. If you're trying to get through the forest, or hack your way through the jungle. And you've got you know all the the team members are the ones that have got the machetes that are trying to get things done and pave a road so they can get through. You know, and then the it's the leader at the very top. That's, you know, at the very, very top on hot air balloon going, you guys are going the wrong direction. You know what I mean? And it's like setting that, that visionary direction is important. So I think as a forecasting should be in that visionary direction because that's where it's going, right? That's ultimately what, what needs to pull in. And if we're going the wrong direction, somebody's got to say, hey, let's switch the machinery so it goes over here, right? So my responsibility, number one. That said, I will work through the team to get that. So I'll go to, let's say, Julie, so director of measurement for us. And, and I'll talk to her about the clients that we have uh, for our dedicated measurement management services and say, okay, what are you thinking? How likely are they to keep going? What are your probabilities? Blah, 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 blah. And I will take that. And I'll, I'll, I'll have my opinion on what's going on too, but I really heavily rely on hers. So she's giving me the forecast. I might adjust or, or encourage her to, to, you know, tap something up or down a little bit based on the vision that I've got for it. But it's mostly her forecast that I've just integrated into the overall system. I'll do the same thing with the marketing department. Okay, here's what we're currently averaging. You know, we average 200 page views a, a week to this particular offer. And you're saying you're going to triple sales. Well, that means we've got to be at eight or 900 page views a week. How are you going to do that? And if they have a plan for that, it's like, okay, cool, then I'm, I'm going to take that and be like, let's, let's do it. And we'll put it into forecast. So I kind of rely on the, the different departments, but it's me going and, and pulling the information from them. Because if I just throw it down to them, that that's disempowering. I think it's like, it's just going to be like, Oh, here's my idea of what you should do. Go do it. But they're not really bought in. But when they say, here's what I think we can do. And that also gives me, I'll tell you just as a, a little hidden technique with a, with a or benefit of the forecasting, it helps me with training. Cause I know if somebody could do better, but they're not, I, I, I dig into that. Like, why did you only forecast, you know, $10,000 when I'm in my head, I'm thinking it should be a $30,000 thing. And it's like, well, why 10? Well, how could it be 30? How could it be 100? Let's explore that. What's holding you back? What resources would you need? And sometimes it's resources they have, they don't realize that they didn't have access to, and it's a training issue. Sometimes it's legitimate. And I go, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand why $30,000 is impossible because you're tapped out at 10 for whatever the 
constraint is, and then I can go and fix that. You know, yep. so the the forecasting conversation is that's why it takes so long. That's it's not forty hours of typing numbers in a spreadsheet. That's not it. It's the conversations and the thinking about it, the noodling of it, and then it's the maintaining the actual numbers part is for me, 30 minutes a week, roughly, maybe, yeah. maybe 45 minutes if I go slow. Um, but it works pretty well. And, and, and then you know what happened and what to do next, which is what I love it. Cause it's like a natural, uh, and by the way, I don't automate this at all. I pull all the numbers manually. It takes me 45. I can automate all of it. I know how to do that where the forecast would just show up every week and I don't need to automate it. The reason I don't automate it is so I, cause I want to get dirty. I want to get my hands on the numbers. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just see something. And then my brain goes, Oh, that's the result. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. I'm like, as I'm typing the numbers in, I am thinking about each of those numbers. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, that's why I do that. So I don't automate it, but it's not because we can't, uh, it's, it's because I think it's useful to process as you are processing, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. I, every, yeah, I think that pulling the numbers and seeing them makes it real. It makes it more tangible versus just, it's a summary. Cause we can get blinded by summaries. Like we want to know the granularity of what's coming in. It, it just makes things, it makes you understand things better. And then just addressing the numbers on a frequent basis makes you say, Hey, maybe I had it in my head that it was this number, but I was wrong. Or maybe I was incorrect on something that's, that's important to know. Um, and, and to realize, and that's, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, you mentioned like setting up the system, you know, per year could take 20 to 40 hours or more. Um, and I know it's just to be clear, that's the first time you might take 40 yeah. hours. Otherwise yeah. you're, you know, maybe doing 10 hours the next time to really, but that's because you're talking with your teams, right? Yeah. It's like meeting time. Yeah. But that, but that, I also think that's for a Mercer of the world who's like really, you know, done this for a oh, while. That's the highest possible. Yeah, that's the, high the level. That's very highest true. level yeah. of execution. I think that a lot yeah. of people, they're more likely to try to set this thing up and then just give up on it or yeah. to like say, oh, I want something different or I'll use my QuickBooks or whatever. Um, I don't think maintenance is really a problem, but like it, I think setting it up is a pretty challenging thing. So like how would somebody get the financial literacy to be able to set this thing up and learn these techniques? Is it something that they would want to do would, would they want somebody embedded on their team to learn it? Could they take a course on this? Would they need coaching? Would they need a system? Like how would somebody go about doing this to the level of, of competency that you have? Because um, a lot of companies don't have this level of institutional knowledge or operational capital to do it. Yeah. They don't know these techniques. So is it something, can they buy something? Can they get trained? Can they get coached? How do you do it? Yeah, I mean, like for us, we we have courses, right? So shameless plug for for our stuff. We've got courses that that teach uh, forecasting in the academy. Um, but I think to your to your you know greater question, like you know where do you start and and how do you how do you get this going? I would start with just the basics of a plan. If you don't have a plan of how are we going to do the thing we're trying to do, at least start with that. Because a lot of people don't. They have a guess. We're gonna make a hundred thousand dollars this month, but they have no plan written down. Write that plan down. Then attach it to a number. We're going to do yeah. this plan to get $100,000 a month. Then it's, here's my plan to get $100,000 a month. Here's how many people we're going to ask. Here's how many of those we'll consider. Here's some, you know, and you start going into the, the more detailed, but you grow into that. You don't just jump into it. Um, so like when we teach this stuff, that's how we do it. We'll start with everybody with baby steps in because each one of those foundational steps, even learning how to come up with a plan is a skill in and of itself. And that skill becomes a foundation where you add in the next thing, like how do we tie in results to our plan? And then that becomes a skill that you add on the next thing. Now, how do we do the how 
steps, right? So we know how we're getting our results according to plan. And then you do the next thing where you add in the probabilities. How sure have we that this plan is going to work in this way to get the results for the plan? You know, and then and, and each one builds upon itself. So there is a skill set to it. Um, but I would I would just hesitate like the the most mistakes people make is they hear about something like this and they go, well, I'm gonna do the complicated one because that's the most useful version. And it yeah. is the most useful version, but it's also the heaviest weight in the gym. And you, if you're just new into a gym, you don't go to the machine that's got a thousand pound bench press and be like, well, that's going to be the best thing for me. Well, it might be, but you can't handle a thousand pounds yet. You got to get your muscles built. And that's where I think coaching is important. I think courses are important. Um, recognizing that there are, there is an opportunity to, to use forecasting in a slightly different way is important because I think that's definitely what we do. Um, we use it to guide our company. Very, very real. We use it to guide our company. Everything is based on numbers and measurable results, but it's translated into actual actions. So when we hit a forecast or don't hit a forecast, it doesn't matter. All these actions spit out from our forecast that go through our, that reverberate through our team. So the measurement team's doing this, the marketing team's doing that, the operations team doing this other thing because of those, that forecasting system that we're doing. So it's a, it's like a, a core part of, of our organization and it simplifies things uh, quite a bit. So again, that you grow into that. Um, but that's how I would suggest like, you know, in terms of, of people, um, learning it, I guess, as we, as we go to wrap up, I'll cover final thoughts in a second, but is there any sort of other final thoughts that you've got when it comes to either getting started with this or, or, you know, for somebody kind of where they are mentally might be listening to this right now? Yeah. I mean, the growing into it, I think is good, especially if, like generally speaking, somebody who starts a company had experience at another company almost always. Right. So like I learned forecasting by being the fine, the treasurer of a nonprofit. Right. And I, and I've been on a lot of nonprofits, so I got to see the books and then at my agency, I got to see the books and the forecasts and stuff like that. So I just got to see how other people did it. And then I just took the parts that I liked. And that's, that's usually how you do this thing. You get exposed to something, you take the parts you like, and then you improve it and put it in place. And that's, you know, that's how you do it in order to do the, this type of forecasting. Um, one of the things that I thought we were going to get into today, but we never got into, so I have a topic written down as like a five-year forecast. Cause that's something mm. I'm pretty big on is like, yeah. where are you going to be in five years? Cause I think you can use the numbers for the next year, but if you want to see where you could be, the five years is even more important because it helps yeah. you make longer term decisions. So I added that as a topic we'll talk about, but yeah, I think that the, what you said makes a lot of sense, coaching and everything like that archetype, your forecasting, um, course, which I've taken a look at and I've used some of your forecasting stuff. It is really helpful. So that's a plug there um, for measurement marketing is, is they're really good at forecasting. Most people don't share any of that stuff. Um, Mercer has a whole set of series of courses and resources to do that. So there you go. I'm, I'm plugging you naturally. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, just kind of to wrap it up, the when you're just starting out, it is easy to make this complicated. Um, and so when you're, when you're hearing Jeff and I talk about the different things, whatever level sort of made sense for you, if you're like, Hey, we actually don't really have a written down plan. I got it in my head, or I think the team knows about it. We talk about it all the time, but it's not actually written down anywhere. That's what I would do and say, what's the plan for the month. And you can even start it simple. What's the plan for the quarter? What's the plan for this month, you know, the next three months to get us for that quarter to make it helpful? And then what are the plans for each week's of those months that are going to feed the months, right? And you sort of think about it like that. Just focusing on that is a way to, to build some muscle. And it, and it is forecasting because you are forecasting your actions. And then eventually you start to go, okay, let's tie those actions into numbers, right? So that would be the, the second level. But if you're just starting out, focus on that plan because that's what, what really helps um, to build muscle. And then, of course, you know, when, you're, when you're listening to these, these podcasts and they trigger a certain thought or, or maybe create a conversation with other entrepreneurs or small business owners that you're hanging out with, like teach this stuff. Talk about it. Ask how they're forecasting because 
Jeff and I have our own ways of doing stuff doesn't mean we're always right, right? Just the probabilities are that it's working for us, but we're open to other ways. And so if you've got a different technique, you hear about something different, I'd love to know that too. So send us an email, um, obviously share the podcast, talk about this stuff, because instead of just being exposed to new information, which is awesome, when you start talking about it with other people, you actually start building skills because uh, you're making it your own. So on that happy note, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode. Thanks again for sharing, for talking with others about it, what you've learned today, and of course, for listening to Business Unfiltered. We'll see you on the next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered, always unapologetically honest.